we can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Change My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Our guest today is Mike Zadig, three-time All-American for the University of Iowa, world runner-up in 2006, Olympian in 2008, one of the fiercest competitors that we've ever seen, folks. So good to have Mike on the podcast, and I can't wait for you to hear this interview. Fan of the week goes to... This one's from J.M. Rice. The subject is fantastic podcast. Thank you for all your hard work on this podcast. I have three boys, all heavily involved in the sport. You have great interviews that really bring their heroes into our truck as we travel to and from practice. Thank you so much for the review, J.M. Rice, and thanks to everyone who's left an Apple podcast review. Now, without further ado, folks, let's give it up for the great Mike Zadik. Just a quick pause from our sponsor, then we'll be right back to this episode. This episode is brought to you by the Frog Ninja Wrestling Club. They're having a camp in Oxford, PA, July 11th through the 13th. It's at Oxford Area High School. Featured clinicians include Morgan McIntosh, Saran Francisco, and Brian Pearsall. Go to frogninjawrestlingclub.com to register. That's the Oxford Wrestling Camp going down July 11th through the 13th. Go to frogninjawrestlingclub.com to register. Now back to the episode. Let's get right into it, man. I can tell we're going to have some fun. Mike Zadik, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it. Man, what an honor to have you on. I, I tell everyone, <clears throat> the season by ESPN came out right when I was in my most impressionable years. I must have been middle school. And that, was, that came out on ESPN. I'll never forget it, man. What was it like having those cameras around? Were they everywhere? Yeah, they were everywhere. They were, yeah, in, obviously there's footage. They're in, in your truck with you. They're in classroom with you, um, in the wrestling room. I mean, once you get in the room, I think you block it off. Um, I did. I, I think I did. But at the same time, other people, you know, you know, you got a camera on you. It, you you probably wrestle a little different, but it was it was what it was. I, I guess at the time we all thought, wow, ESPN's here. This is really good for wrestling. This is really good. But I didn't didn't feel like I had like the high pressure stakes, but because they're watching, it's just you had to do what you had to do. But at the same time, there was times where. Maybe some choice words were going to come out of your mouth, but you didn't. 
So it, it held you accountable a little bit. <laughs> well, your parents were the stars of that show, man. I'll never forget the scene and uh, your folks. It was it like the auto garage where you had the rope. Yeah, I'll never forget that scene and. And uh, your father, uh, rest in peace, of course, his deepest condolences. Yeah. And but I remember him talking to the camera. You know, Bill used to do this at this age. Mike used to go up twenty-one times a day, and I'm like, "Mom, we got to get a rope. We were trying to hang something from our tree." It's like I'll never forget that kind of stuff, man. I'll, that was just very, very impressionable to me at the time. That's really cool. Yeah, we he had a, a car lot, and the shop was in the back where people worked on equipments, or vehicles, and detailed and all that. So. Yeah, every day after school, we dropped off. And that rope, that's a whole long story. I don't know if you've heard much. And let's I don't hear want it. to jump, jump no, to your questions. but No, we, I, we, forget the questions. Let's just talk, man. Let's hear about the story. All right. I might have to reach over here and grab something for you. All right. See if I can get it. Uh, so after my dad passed a couple of years ago, um, that property that you're actually speaking of, I sold it to a company that came in and it was a big building. It was 60 by 120 feet. Um, and they didn't want the building. They were going to build a car wash. Well, it's a perfectly good, big steel building. Um, I said, well, what are you going to do? They, they're going to demo the whole thing. And that's usually what you do in construction sites and build a hotel, build whatever you're going to build. So I said, well, wait a second. I, I got the building from them. I said, I'll tear it down. Um, don't pay $75,000 to have it demoed. I, I'll disassemble it. And I want the building because we had a lot of memories in it. And where I live, I'm up in the mountains about 17 miles down gravel. And 17 near... miles down gravel. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so how far from like the nearest store are you? 17. It's okay. a small town of 200 people, 250 people. And there's a little general store and it has a little bit of everything. So with that said, the town doesn't have a building like that. And I wanted to start some wrestling lessons and it ended up blowing up originally i wanted four walls a roof back on i just kept the red iron all the steel beams and you know the girts and the purlins so i have to recite it insulate pour concrete foundation all that stuff well it turned into not just four walls now they say well you gotta have a bathroom you're gonna have to have a shower you're gonna have to have a kitchen you get all these stuff well knowing what the community need community needs i'm showing you the pictures these are my plans I just got. Can you see this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can see it. So these are the renderings wow. of the building. That was the original building um, with the rope in it. So what I'm trying to tell you is I have a trailer out there stored with stuff and then steel's over here. And I have a friend named Pete Fontana. It's, he has a garage. He left me let me put the garage doors and a heater and just stuff everywhere in people's property. But these are all the renderings. Here's kind of what it looks down at. Wow. So that's like workout equipment. This is a kitchen area, mm -hmm. a lot, an area for, for kids to study after school. Wrestling mats are going to be halfway over here. That's so amazing. That rope hung right off that second beam my entire life. And long story short, I have been working on this for all oh, the last couple of years, buying, trying to buy land. And then go through approval processes through water, sewer, all the codes to meet. And it's not as easy you think in a rural area. You, I would well, say you would think it would be a lot easier. I live in Chicago and I can only imagine yeah. what it must be like up here. But yeah. uh, so the rope, 
then it sounds like long story short, the rope will hang again from the same the beam. Rope, the rope was the last thing I tore down before I started dropping the beams. And I climbed it once and then I, I put it in my garage. So no mice or anything will get to it. Wow. And it, it so will, cool. it will hang again. Did Bill climb it too as a kid? Yeah. Yeah. We both did. Wow. Everybody did. What's really cool about it is my dad had the rope hanging and it would he'd pull up and tie it off to the wall. Well, whenever somebody came into town where it tied off, there was a sheet of paper on the wall and he always had a stopwatch. So my brother had a high school friends. They'd come climb it, time it. And if they had a good record, it went on the wall. And there was a list from the brands when they first recruited us, John Smith, uh, Jay Robinson, Anthony Amato was a Greco wrestler. Um, Kevin Darkus, Justin Epp. I mean, you name, there was a list of like world-class wrestlers that was just penned in and then had their no legs rope tied. Wow. So that's what it is, no legs. Okay. Yeah. There had to be no legs. Man, those names. Do you still have the list or was it like a piece of drywall? It was on the drywall. It was taped on, but no, I do not. I, I think what happened is when my dad retired, I think he might've taken it and stuck it in a file. I have not found it, but I, I haven't gave up on it because honestly, I don't see, there's so much history on it. I don't see one of his workers just tearing it off the wall. Cause it ended up, there'd be a sheet, you know, and then you tape another one below it. And another, so there's like three sheets there, mm-hmm. but it had, like Jay Robinson was out here and I just, you name it that it ever did like uh, worked a clinic for my dad. Yeah. Um, they were Marty Calder from Justin Abdu from Canada. It just kind of, it was a cool history and we all had our times. Dang. So, so how, was your dad a wrestler? Yeah. Yeah. He wrestled um, through high school. And, uh, yeah, he's, I like telling this story. It's this, this, uh, defines my dad kind of a little bit. He was super, super intense, um, growing up, like people, if you knew him, you knew him. Um, but he wrestled through high school and he got supposedly, I wasn't there obviously, but his senior year, he's in the state finals and he got a true Rob job. And everybody else has told me this too, not just him. Cause he would really make excuses. He didn't talk about it. What he never told me, but his friends ended up telling me and I had to ask him, but he got robbed and they got into this altercation on the mat and he ended up punching out the referee. <laughs> <laughs> so as a high schooler, <laughs> it just, it's black and white with my dad. I mean, it's just, yeah, you, you don't do that to people. So <laughs> So what did Bill just love it? And then your dad got obsessed again, or was your dad a coach all the way through, even until you guys were into it? No, dad was just really, he was very fanatical about wrestling, but sport in general. And most of his upbringing, everyone said when they played uh, football, it was was kids. Everything to him was a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where his intensity level came from. If you're doing something and he always, we had a camp shirt years ago and he said it in practice a lot. He said, if you're going to do anything, do it like a world champion. If you're going to chew gum, chew gum, like a world champion. And that, that mentality is in his business is what made him succeed. Um, coming from nothing and building up. And then that wrestling mentality, same thing is what we were raised with. So he got into handball and 
he ended up becoming a multiple state champ, like in his business years, mm-hmm. being married, married and kids. Mm-hmm. And actually the world champion handball, the, the, the world champion of handball was traveling through Montana and did an exhibition. My dad, I guess it was a week or two weeks prior to him winning. And my dad beat him in the exhibition. Holy so, cow. so, and I, I met a guy literally yesterday. This is no joke. This guy goes, Zadik, uh, was your dad a handball player? I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, wow. I know some people that brought it up. I didn't know it was, oh, it was actually Gabe. Gabe told the story. Yeah, Gabe, he told the story. He goes, his dad was guiding two hunters and said, Zadik, and he goes, yeah, Bob. He said, yeah, they didn't like him. Wow. <laughs> Probably in scaring everybody Super. off the courts. Super, yeah. When he, when dad passed, there's a story I didn't know. One of his good close friends, um, very close friend to wrestling, big, big fan of the sport. Um, Dan Colloy is his name. He wrote, he was a writer too for uh, newspapers in Montana. But uh, he told the story, went and spoke on my dad's behalf. And he said, um, he said some things, but he wanted to talk about dad's intensity a little bit. It was some top secret things that my dad helped him with that he told him, don't never tell anybody. And it was, very personal to him and emotional, but uh, it was really a neat story. But he also said, this is coming from the guy when I was at the state handball championships, he got beat and he slammed the door and walked out of the court and somebody yelled at him for slamming the door. So he walked back in and he grabbed the door, ripped it off the hinges and slammed it on the court and then walked out. (laughs) So man, you can imagine the intensity the guy had. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, just for him to be that, like some people play handball, they play golf. It's like a, something to do once a week. No, he had to be a state champ. And not only that, he's playing the world champ in exhibitions. Like yeah. that's like, it, it just reminds me of a lot of wrestlers I know are just like fanatics like that. And so I can only imagine once you guys started getting into wrestling, that came right back to him. Was he like involved with like the state organization, like Fargo, all that stuff or what? Yeah. Yeah, he did it all. My mom was one of the state pairs that paired tournaments and like mm-hmm. our, our group of friends, their group of friends. Uh, but dad was very passionate, wanted Bill in it, um, pushed Bill. But one thing about Bill, he was just naturally, he was a stud. Bill was like a kid that they caught him climb, walking his crib to the wall, second floor, opening a door and they walked in and he's hanging by his toes on the edge of the windowsill out the window. No. My brother, like what? literally they grabbed him by the ankles. And uh, so Bill was like fearless, wild man um, when he was a young age and he was very successful. So he fed off of that with my dad really well. And Bill just, we were surrounded by my dad. And what was best I think about my dad is he knew, he knew he didn't have all the answers. So what he did is he got somebody involved that knew could help his kids. And Mark Sprague from Oregon um, was one of them. So we were going out to there. I a forgot local... you guys were in Cobra. Yeah, we were Cobra. Oh, growing wow. Up. Because, oh, that's all coming back to me now. Yeah, because uh, what was the other one? Um, there's two clubs in Oregon and they were Pit, uh, Pittman. Pit, not, Roy Pit, Pittman. Roy Pittman. Yeah, there you go. What what is, uh, was that? I'm, I'm, so Pittman's been on. I cannot get Sprague on. But I, when I, your brother was on, he was talking about that, actually. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember that. Uh, people are killing us listening to this, what Pittman's club was called. Peninsula. Got, Peninsula, Peninsula Park. Peninsula. Yes. So you guys would go out to Oregon for Cobra. What was that like? 
Summertime we did, yep. We okay. went out we went out for I I want to say a week, if not two, but we went out in there and trained and then we would go to Grand Nationals after that in Indian it was always in Indianapolis, Indiana. Mm-hmm. I'd start going to like Michigan and getting around. But yeah, it was my summer was my birthday's July, so I never my birthday was at a wrestling tournament every year, but we trained with Sprague's um and our local connection big time was uh denny campbell who was the father of matt campbell tj campbell um fritz campbell tom okay. campbell and they had daughters also but the boys matt and tj were four timers tj was uh he was number one recruit in the country his senior year wow he tech followed the northern iowa what's his name iowa guy who would have been in the Late 80s. Oh, man, I could see his face. But TJ was, he ended up getting a full ride to Minnesota. You're not talking he, Mark Schwab. No, no. No, but that era. Uh, okay. He's a, he was a high school great, but I don't want to throw him under the bus. I just, I knew he was like yeah. the number one guy in the country. And TJ ended up tech falling him in the finals. Wow. And it was just like, whoa. It was actually 14 to one, I think. <sighs> but it was pretty impressive. But TJ went on to Minnesota. For Jay and Zaleski when he was there and he got uh, hit in the head his freshman year and couldn't compete ever again. Mm-hmm. So had some issues with that, but yeah. So Fritz Campbell married Mark Schwab or Mark Schwab, Mark Sprague's daughter, Krista Ann. Oh, wow. Who used to teach the aerobics at camp, which was pretty awesome for a five-year-old, six-year-old. <laughs> so like in the summer you go out there, but in the winter, these guys were some of your mentors, like in like daily coaches on top of your dad helping you every day. Just mainly my dad, but yeah, summertime that was like you know how you have different trait uh, phases in training. Mm-hmm. That was a, just a whole different variable when you inject that. It was a boost because you're in a different community. You know, you're in Oregon. Wow, that, this must be better because it's not home. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of mentality. So, which it was because they had great coaches and Coach Sprague had. Dan Russell there. He had Joe Russell there. His son, Marky, was there. Um, Matt Digger, they call him, was there. Um, Campbell's. But we had Chael Sonnen, Matt Lindland, um, Couture. Uh, what's his name? Oscar Wood. Well, Oscar and Isaac were like the kings. They were the. They were I'm like sh- my big brothers. Those guys, so Chael's, Chael's been on the podcast a, a few times, and he's always, like, pumping me up on Oregon guys. So I got, he's like, you got to get Oscar Wood on. So Oscar Wood came on, and, you know, a lot of the guys, where it was a generation right before kind of your generation and TJ Williams. Like, that's when I re- start remembering things. So it's yeah. been fun to have these guys on. But for the life of me, I can't think of this. Bobby Janice, were you out there Bobby when he Janice. was there? How badass was yes. that, dude? He was a killer. I was really young, but... Bobby Janice was there and then he ended up, he died when he went to Arizona state, right? Yeah, he was, he, so I, I went down the rabbit hole and it was either um like, so I think it might've been a self-inflicted or like a murder, but it was like a really, really horrible thing. But he was a freshman at ASU. Yeah. But from what I hear, like, like freestyle legend, Oregon legend, like Big crazy time. good. Yeah. Yeah. He was. And so was, I, yeah, his roommate was actually, a friend of ours from Great Falls, Montana, and was a freshman also. Bobby At Young. Arizona State? Yeah, and then when that oh. happened, he left. Yeah. Holy he left. Smokes. It was kind of a huge impact. Really small world, but 
Bobby Janice, but look into uh, Mark Sprague, Mark Jr. I will. Like I Mark will. Jr., he, he, Mark Sr. always spoke about him at camp. And it was like the stories every year were so impactful since I was five years old. I can define this whole camp. I can explain to you. It's, and I'm five, you know, I'm not supposed to retain a whole lot, but what stories? Like, what do you just how camp went? Like, we had morning workouts, we had camp Olympics where it was fun stuff. We had camp aerobics. We had a massage for 30 minutes and you switch with your partner. And during that massage, the lights were out and we listened to Zig Ziglar motivational tapes. Wow. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Zig Ziglar, but yeah. Oh yeah. It's like visualization, all that stuff. You guys are getting into that. We had all of it. And then Mark Sprague senior would talk and he talked about the things he did wrong with his relationship with his son. And it was very impactful because he always got emotional and you know, when you're five years old, you're like this older guy's crying who you look up to and it, you listened, you paid attention. And, but Mark, Marky, you know, he was, I bet you, I don't want to get held accountable on this one, but look up his statistics, but I bet you he's one of the winningest amateur wrestlers in U S history. He won like, like I know Joe Russell was a stud, but Marky Jr. won like seven world titles before he was in high school. Just like a drilling phenom, I heard like like, they, like the machine almost could drill anything, like just like a perfectionist. Yeah, he was like, he. I mean, he was wrestling back then. Coach would say, you know, he was like kids wrestling. So he, I mean, what's that? Whatever that means, but right. He he was in the brackets with like John Smith and Kenny Monday, and he was tech falling him. You know, Did you he go to college just, or no? He went to college and he went down the wrong right, social right. life, you know? Right. And right, that's, right. that's kind of what he always talked about pushing, pushing so much and over the top. Yeah. And then the kid gets away and drugs essentially took over. And I know he's gotten better in life, but being, he would been the, the Spencer Lee of that area, you know, when how many, I mean, yeah. Spencer's won what four world titles as yeah. Yeah. age group. Three or four. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah, so that it was that kind of caliber. And he, as you're saying this, I'm like getting all these like floods in my mind of like how stacked Oregon was at the time. You got Joe Russell. We all know his story. Dan Russell becomes the first four timer ever. Tech falls, yes. Pat Smith, like, or maybe he pins him. Um, and then obviously Pat gets the revenge at the yeah. nationals in the semifinals when they could still wrestle D two, which was awesome. But that Portland State team, they won D- Division Twos that year with five national champs, no other qualifiers, led by Dan Russell. So it's like that that contingency of Oregon guys was loaded back in the day. And you guys were feeding right into that. Yeah. You want to know something crazy about that story you just said? Hit me. Dan Russell's warm-up partner for that match in the semifinals in Iowa City? You? Me. No. I was like um... six. But I have to figure out what year it was. I sixth grade, I think six, seven, Dan Russell was my hero. Like he was yeah. one of my favorite guys. And I, I remember he got beat by Brinzer and Brent Brinzer was at Iowa at the time. And Dan was like, what blew my mind is he got beat and he got up and kind of, kind of was like this with his head and he pats a uh, Brenzer. And he holds up Brenzer's hand and goes like this. Wow. And I, I I get the goosebumps just saying it because the whole 
crowd and Carver just like Dan Russell is now their friend. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was the coolest thing and the most sportsmanship thing. And I thought it was so neat. Yeah. I remember as a kid thinking, wow, that's, that's like, that takes a lot deep in the soul to be able to do something like that. But well, yeah. Think, think about the connection of you have Pat Smith, the first D one four timer, you know, one of the best ever and, you know, folk style hands down Dan yeah. Russell, first four timer in any sport um, doesn't D two. And they have a connection like that's that kind of stuff to me. I'm like, history is weird like that. I mean, and the fact that you look at from Pat Smith's perspective, he gets pinned in his first duel and they had some really good guys at his weight that he beat out and might've even been a returning all American. Joe C puts him in, he gets pinned and this duel in Portland comes back and has to beat the same guy who pinned him in the national semifinals. And I think Pat Smith majored him. Did he? Like, I, I, I don't remember. That's I crazy. Remember I remember breaking my Timex watch. Cause I used to start and stop every time that went out of bounds. Yeah. I didn't want the table to screw up the time. So, wow. You but he lost it. Yeah. He lost and I was standing in the front and I smashed it on the concrete. Wow. I mean, who, isn't that crazy though? It, it is. I mean, like in the fact that you were, so you were at some of those big events. So remind me when you're like a freshman in high school, is Bill already gone or what's the age difference? Yeah. Bill was at Iowa my freshman year. He's okay. five and he's five and a half years older. So when he's a senior high school, you're like an eighth grade, seventh grade, somewhere in there. Yep. Okay. Exactly. So, you know, a lot of, I have a younger brother and a lot of siblings. It's like the older one maybe does everything right, but isn't as fearless. I mean, like what was the dynamic between, between you and Bill? Was he like, when you're an eighth grader, he must've just been a legend throughout the state at that time. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And it, it was, it was a good thing for me because like I said about Bill, when we were young, he started wrestling and he was hell on wheels from day one. Like, mm-hmm. I think by the time Bill got to college, when he got to Iowa, he'd only lost five times since he was six years old, five years old, <laughs> five, five ever. Like he didn't lose. So, and he was winning like zone nationals in those tournaments. So they could count. I think it was five or eight, but mm-hmm. don't, it was a very small amount. Me on the other hand, when I was young, I went to practice and like, I liked wrestling. I thought Dave Schultz was the coolest person in the world. Mm. Uh, I kind of like, like to be him type thing. And, but I was, I was uh, scared of my own shadow. You know, I had a big brother that picked on me that scared me. Uh, My dad was so intense that I didn't relate to it. Um, It was just like, geez, relax. You know, it's, you know, (laughs) this isn't life or death, but you know, he was trying to, I feel bad because he's probably trying to get me tougher. Yeah. And my response was kind of the opposite, like just lock up quiet. So Bill being so good and me kind of maturing at sixth, seventh grade, eighth grade, it hit me like, Hey, Hey fatty. You know, I started losing my baby fat, but you know, I was a pudgy kid. And I I remember thinking, you know, I'm not going to be the brother that didn't win four titles. Mm -hmm. I remember saying that like to myself, it's like, yeah, he is, but you got to uphold the integrity here, the blood. Mm-hmm. So it's when this, it was a maturity thing. And my mom will tell you, she got to a point with my dad and said, Hey, you raised this one. I got this one because I didn't relate well with dad and mom took over, which I didn't, I, I wouldn't know any different, but mm-hmm. um, she did have a say in what was going on because I, I, I was, a, I was a little bit different than Bill. You know, so with that said, that's when I 
matured and said, you know, I'm, I got to get working. And it was right when the competitor Supreme came out. That, oh, the best. That, that was like, Oh, okay. Oh. This is how I got to get. <laughs> There's <laughs> nothing better than that. Competitor there Supreme. God. There wasn't. We watch wow. that every week. Gosh, that's uh that's an, I'm trying to, yeah, that's, that's a very special one now because there was that one. And then there was another one just called Gable that came out and like the opening scene is him doing pull-ups in this gym, but competitor Supreme was before that. And that's where it's like, yeah, you got the Steiners and like, there's a lot of clips of, I don't know back in the day, but in the all-star duel, they must've worn like a red and blue singlet. Cause there's a yeah, lot the, of clips in there of those. The freestyles. Yeah. Yeah. The, With singlets. the, the stripes. Yeah. Yep. Man, Steiners are in there, the brands. I mean, so when did like the Brains Brothers get on your radar from like a motivational standpoint? Was that early on or? Yeah, eighth grade. When Bill moved out to Iowa, they he roomed with them. So. Oh, wow. So he won in 94 as a senior or 95? Bill? Yeah. 96. 96. So he got there. He got there to loaded time. Oh, my God. Yeah. That 91, 92 team with like Tom Ryan. Yeah. Um, all those studs. I mean, yeah, Mark Bill Ryland, was, he was in Bill there. Was, Bill was rooming with the apartment was Terry and Bill. I can't, don't ask Terry, Tom Ryan and Tom Brands, Terry yeah. and Tom, and then Tom Ryan and Bill and another guy all door to door in the same apartment complex. That's so crazy. They were coming out here at the time and bear hunting and fishing and hanging out for a short stint, doing a wrestling camp. Like my dad had the Zadix fanatics camp every summer. And so that's when I, from the video and meeting them and looking up to their dominating careers in Iowa and Dan Gable at the time. I mean, it's no different than if you're in seventh, eighth grade right now, and you're looking at Penn state, I mean, how many times are they winning it? And back then Iowa won like how many in a row? Right. It, it was just a, they were light years separated from everybody. And it's just like, wow. So you're in awe. Cause you get to, it's the one sport you can yeah, hang out with the highest level people. And it's no, no big deal. You know, it'd be like kale and David Taylor and Varner coming to your, coming to your garage. Like that's like what yeah. you had basically growing exactly. up. It's like, exactly. Geez. And it's crazy out. because now it does seem like Penn State is so far ahead and you're like, how will anyone catch up? And I'm sure at the time people thought the same thing about Iowa. And I mean, we know they did. I mean, Iowa won nine out of the 10 titles in the 90s between Zaleski yep. and Gable. It's like, except for 94. So, yeah. I mean, that's the same, man, that's the that's the same kind of environment you're, you're seeing. Now, was Bill ever close to going to Minnesota? You know... I, I think can see Jay Rob going out there and picking some kids off. I think in a little bit. Um, I'm thinking a little bit just from the fact that TJ Campbell, who was my brother's essentially big brother to mm -hmm. him, because TJ, he was it, you know, he was probably the best, one of the best wrestlers ever out of Montana. I mean, he was a four timer. He went to essentially Fargo, which was in you and I back then. Yeah. And won it and was OW. It was just like, full ride into Minnesota. Um, but those things happened with TJ and he was a huge, you know, Avenue liaison. Yeah. I'm sure. But you'd have to check with Bill. I remember the recruiting process for my brother. Um, Jay Gable was come out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
Tell me about that. Gable walks into our front door and my brother's one of my brother's best friends, Brian Hendrickson. He, he lived down the street. So he's just, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm coming up there. So he knows Gable's there at the time. And just kind of, I remember him walking in like, are you kidding me? Like Dan Gable's here. And we were just all kind of sitting in the living room and I'm, I'm just like, you know, just starstruck. Wow. But I'll tell you the best Gable story is that year I snuck down on the floor the year uh, Dan Russell at the NCAA tournament in Carver. Um, I snuck down on the floor and I warmed up with him and stuff. And I came back up to the next level and outside the wrestling room in the old days, they had a line of posters and it had like the team posters and I'm standing there looking at them and I hear ding elevator open up and some people walk off and then there's stairway right next to it and opens the door and here's Dan Gable. And I'm like, Oh, here he is. Like, I don't know how to turn around and I can just wait for the, you know, that feeling he's going to walk by us so I can kind of stare at him. He comes up right next to me and he looks at me and he goes, I want your brother. And after I get him, I want you next. <laughs> and then walked on by. And I was like, I'm in seventh grade, I think. I literally took off sprinting. Instead of being stuck down on the floor, I found my dad up in the stands. I ran up there and I'm like, you're never going to believe what just happened to me. It's like, Dan Cable's so So it was the coolest thing in the world. So wow, him showing up to the house was almost like, yeah, it's my buddy now, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Man, to have someone like imagine that as a seventh grader, man, that is, and that's amidst you know really historic nationals for Iowa. Ninety one was their first time back on top at home, and you know I think five in the finals maybe or four in the finals, but a really uh, I think that's when Kelber beat Terry. Yeah, what a what a crazy nationals that was. Ninety one and Pat Smith and Tom Ryan had that dog fight, so that low single in the last twenty seconds. I mean, yeah, is that what? I think it was when Ryland. When Ryland pinned Randleman too. Yeah, from Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Did the guns. Yeah. Cause that was the no, I'm thinking ninety. So ninety-three. This is such a fun time in Iowa history. I love the rebuild years. Cause ninety-three is when you had Troy and Terry, and then they had to go down for Lincoln to come Lincoln. into the lineup. Yeah. 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 So, and that that actually pushed Bill out of the lineup that year. Really? Yeah, that was kind of a sore subject. We won't go there. No, I'm really? just kidding. No, I, I didn't, no, I didn't even Bill know was, that. Yeah, Bill was part of that too. And um, so where we, where, so ninety three, he would have been, yeah, he would have been there for two years, so probably ready to start and make it, make a name for himself. So where was he at in that whole thing? Was he the third thirty three pounder? Thirty four at the time, yeah. And so, they bumped Troy down to thirty four. And he's the defending national champ at forty one. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. And then Link was wrestling off and on through the year. Okay. And I can't, I don't want to go and say something I'm not 100% (laughs) sure on. Right. Right. But he was, yes. Wow. Yeah. So when you guys. That was the year in North Carolina. That's right. Yeah. 1994. Yeah. Yeah. That's when Pat won the fourth one. I only I have all the Smith stuff in my mind from the Smith documentary. So it's like yeah. certain things stick out to you, but I do love that that time of uh, of Iowa wrestling. Um, so when you're coming up, you know, 
I know Montana and North Dakota are not the same state, but to me, I think of it like they're in that Western regional. So like, are you coming up at Lincoln? Are you knowing about him? Are you seeing him at the same tournaments or not really? Bill did. Okay. So he was Bill's age between Bill and I, but Bill and him were closer like a year apart. Okay. But Lincoln and Bill wrestled a lot at the Wyoming, had a a Western regional in Wyoming. Mm -hmm. And Lincoln was a big name that um, they, they had wrestled each other off and on. So yeah. yeah, I remember a guy in that Wyoming term, I was young, but this guy told my dad that Bill was going to get his butt kicked by this guy and Bill ended up beating him. And I wow. remember the, I remember it cause it was, you know, those kids tournaments, everybody sits around it and yeah. sits around the mat, the last matches of the day. And mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was pretty, pretty monumental. Hold on one second. I can yell at my dog. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Sorry about that. My buddies are. I got him a horseback ride. They're going horseback riding, and and uh, my dog on a. I have a four wheeler that takes him up where they're going, and my dog no usually thinks it's me, so huh. he does he doesn't want to be left. So I admit he took off running. So I was like, yeah, get your butt back here. Well, and for folks who are only listening who can't see this this awesome backdrop we have here, Mike's in his your cabin, which it looks like. I mean, every animal known to man I'm seeing here. I mean, what we got a moose, moose, elk, mountain lion. White tail, mule deer, there's a bear, sheep, a bunch of stuff. Wow. Hey, now, you, you want to know something cool? See that stone? Yes. I picked those rocks, and Oscar Wood came up here and laid it for me. Wow. Yeah, last, last winter. So there's crazy on the names we're putting together, but yeah. This so is do you, the. Do you do like ahead. guided hunting and stuff, or like. You yeah, wait, you just love it or you're way into it or no, I mean, I enjoy it. Um, it's just fun. Um, yeah. it gets kind of in the way because I like to hunt myself, but okay. there's a out, there's an outfitter up the street, three miles at, that runs a hunting service that is, they have two camps. One's 19 miles in and the other one's it's wilderness hunts. So you got to ride horseback 19 miles in the other one's 15 miles in. And they book those camps, which is wall tents. They have a cook in there, everything. And you guide hunters for the week out of those. And I I cover a couple weeks out of the season for them. An archery season and a rifle season. I was going to say, what are you sleeping out there? You sleeping in tents, that kind of thing? Yeah, big wall tents. Okay. Put, put cots in them, big sleep mags. And... That it's is... fun. It's I fun because you go back in time. Like, phones don't work. It's... You're going to the creek to get your own water. Um, it doesn't hurt your it, stomach to drink out of that stuff. No, it's like wow. it's coming straight out of the mountain. I mean, it's a spring essentially. That so, is so far removed from where I'm sitting right now. I can't even imagine how like relaxing that must be. To, I mean, mountains, nature. It, it really is. That's that's kind of my motivation with this building and being able to teach wrestling, but do summer things as well because you piggyback a lot of the 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 fun things that I enjoyed in life outside mm-hmm. of the sport, the recreational things where you come out here and there's something about being here where it just kind of calms you, it relaxes you and go back in the woods even further. And it's wide open country. So it's not like you're enclosed with all this timber. It's wide open. There's valleys, green meadows, creeks, rivers, animals. And it's like, wow, like you realize you know, there's not a lot of people. You can't drive back there. So if you've never taken the time in your life to 
ride a horse in there or hike in there and slow life down, you can't really truly enjoy it. Like it's, it's like sitting oceanside, except for anybody can drive up and see the ocean. You kind of got to get to this spot and it's kind of a winding down process on the way in. Mm -hmm. It's riding a horse. It's quiet. It's calm. You get back there and it's just like, it's so refreshing and refueling for the for your body and mind. Now, will you ever go in there by yourself and just like kind of solo tent for a couple of days just to get away and hunt? Yeah. Yeah, I do. It's, it's getting harder and harder just because there's a lot of grizzly bears in this area. And when they you attack go back, or were they scared of humans? No, they, they'll tear you up. They'll, they'll come. Yeah. Holy shit. Oh yeah. I, you, I've had multiple run-ins where they don't, I mean, if they wanted, they wanted a piece of me, they got me. I mean, there's nothing you can really do unless you can draw quick enough and kill them. But the, the so thing they've, about this, they've come at you though before. Yeah. I've caught them in trails. We're, we're hiking with hunters and they run and bluff you. They do a lot of bluffing. They'll run up to 10 feet and bark and boom. And you just get big and yell at them back and hope to God they holy turn, and, turn and run away. So yeah, no, it is. It's like, holy shit. Dang. It's like, What's more nerve wracking standing in the tunnel at the Olympics or that? It's like, that seems, (laughs) yeah. Jeez. I'd probably say the bear thing. I was, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now that's a, that's kind of a life or death thing. Yeah, truly. So what, so it's gotten worse lately or there's just, here's the thing. It's been on and off endangered species list. So they're not allowed to be hunted. Uh, They were protected for a long time. They've come off the list, but, they were going to open a season on them, but these just imagine any species that isn't re- like animals that, that isn't regulated. Mm-hmm. Like why these elk are these bears and why there's so much problems around these ranches. They come in and kill calves and stuff is because since late seventies, eighties, they have not been hunted. So they, you know, there's a, a, a sow, which is a female with cubs down, down the road here that I've seen last summer. I haven't seen it this year yet, but I've seen it two summers in a row. And she's had three, three cubs. And there's another one on the North side here or the the opposite side. And it has four cubs. So if you're having a sow have three, four cubs a year for 35 years. And yet you, you roam the earth and never have a gunshot at you. You're not, custom to be afraid of anything especially when you know you're pretty big and all the other big animals around you kill them to eat for fun so they're kind of fearless so if you can't put the fear in them you know by having it's not like they're going to be extinct they're they're very strong they're mm-hmm. overpopulated but being able to regulate just like other animals and hunt them it's also going to change their mindset a little bit as far as hey wait a second maybe i should stay away from those areas because they actually killed my buddy Fred or whoever. Yeah. Right, right. Smokey. Yeah. Smokey, I guess that's a good bear name, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fred didn't seem like that good a bear name once I said it. Do you see a lot of wolves out there? A lot of tracks. They're really, they're like a smart border collie dog. I mean, really? they're just, I see them, but I live here and I don't see them as often as you'd think. I see the tracks, but yeah, they're pretty elusive. Like they'll, They'll sit like outside my house. There's a mountain right here. There's a ridge. And if there was a wolf, a wolf that come over that ridge, he would come over and he would sit and he would probably 
look at that entire canyon and that whole drainage he's about to go into and just sit and look at it for a few hours and then make his way in. Like they're very smart. That's you know, pretty crazy. That is cool. Well, it's cool you grew up with not only an obsession with wrestling, but you're learning a lot about the outdoors and something you're still passionate about. But if we if we get to, to wrestling, we've talked a lot about your brother. And I mean, the last thing we'll say about Bill is like, what an amazing job he's done as head coach of Team USA. I mean, you must be so proud to see that. I mean, that is so cool what they're building there. I mean, man. Yeah, I am. I'm really proud of him. And, you know, it's it's just a kind of testament to the, the biggest thing is I don't take anything away from all the other coaches and stuff like that. But Bill's personality, um, just like any successful family, um, any successful sport, business, there's a family, there's a relationship. Mm-hmm. There's a bond, you know, and usually bond through like my parents have married 57 and a half years. I learned what love is and like that bond and our family bond and how rooted it is. And Bill's personality, I think, and his kind of his disposition is, you know, really good because it he can communicate and handle all different avenues of these alpha yeah. male coaches that are we're all wired differently right so yeah i think i think he does a really good job of managing that as and i think people as far as his athletes you know that's somebody you want to wrestle for and listen to and respect it's cool because i never thought about it like that where it's he's working with the personality of the coaches and the wrestlers you know so that's like yeah. double the work yeah wow yeah, so, but we're blessed. Wrestling's blessed because oh my god, we have like, you know, you have, you name those guys. Let's, I mean, Kyle Snyder. It's not like he's dealing with Dennis Rodman, you know. <laughs> right. Could you imagine dealing with a bunch of Dennis Rodman guys and then right. Phil Jackson and all these other coaches? I mean, no he's thanks. Like salt of the earth guys here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these guys. Yeah, these are... guys are like, you go down the lineup and they're the David Taylors and the Dakes, these guys are, they're confident, professional, unbelievable workers. But the biggest thing of all to me that I think, and I don't know everybody on a friendly, you know, I know them yeah. conversations, but I, I would say for the most part, every one of them compared to the rest of the rest of the professional sport world is wrestling. We're humble mm-hmm. and there's, we're confident and we're cocky and, there's ones, but look at how humble those guys are. You know, they're just, yeah. they're the best in the world. They're very dominating, but they're, they're, they're humble. You walk up, you can talk to them. You know, they're just, it's pretty special. And the thing that's changed with wrestling that these guys exemplify is after a loss, these guys are like as gracious a losers as you're going to see. Like, whereas, you know, you hear Kyle Snyder when Saj Eliot beat him. He's like, you know, the, the outcome doesn't define me. I feel like in the early 2000s, so I graduated high school in 07. Yep. So I'm coming up in like 2000, 2001. I don't, maybe it's just, I was too young to know. I don't feel like it was the same then. Like, and probably all sports, not just wrestling, but now it's a lot less of outcomes matter, of course. And these guys are winners. So let's not get that twisted, but it just seems like they have a different relationship with winning and losing. And it's just like, wow, these guys are onto something. Yeah. I wish I had that when I was younger, you know, when I was in high school or college, because How do you it, mean? it was just, it, you're you're right about that interview because I heard it and it it gave me a lot of perspective. I got you know when I was competing, I got worked up, and it was, uh, 
I, sh- I could, I wish I could have done better with, I was really, to me, I'd say I was really good. If you ever watched me wrestle in practice, I was way better in practice than I was on the mat. And <laughs> a lot of it was um, your emotions and being able to not think it's life or death. It, and it, it was to me at the time. And that's how mm-hmm. I was kind of coached through that. And I, I put it on myself that way too. And, it really isn't. And it's funny when you get older and you step away from the sport, like I have, um, and you're in a coaching role and essentially you're trying to build people up and develop them and refine them to the best of your ability and their own ability and, and build their mind and get them to believe beyond what they, what they even believe. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not. And Kale said, I think this year at nationals about it's a game. Um, but it's, it is, and th- there's a lot more sacrifice and pain involved in this game than there is a, a basketball game. Mm-hmm. So there's a tad different in that aspect, but it's definitely far from life or death. You know, I tell and, you, that's the it, truest thing. Cause you lose someone in your family. It's like, all right, that's life and death. Like losing a wrestling match isn't even close to that. You know, not even and exactly. Exactly. And I could tell you, you know, being beat my senior year at the NCAA tournament, that was, a very hard, hard, hard thing for me, mm-hmm. but it was, you know, I remember Jim Ramirez came up to me. He was a referee and I, I didn't like, I like him. I like him. And I liked him then. I didn't like what he said, but cause it's haunted me, <laughs> but he said, Hey, and it was all in encouragement, but he saw me in the back, probably crying and, you know, hurt. And he just walked up and said, Hey, if this is the worst thing that ever happens to you in the rest of your life, consider yourself lucky. And I remember not thinking like, Oh gosh, something really bad's coming. Like, <laughs> because, because that was bad to me. And if, but you know what? You, you fast forward now and it's like, wow, it was pretty interesting comment to hear as a, you know, kind of something to uplift. I remember he walked by me and less gutches. Mm. And um, that one kind of stuck to me though, what he said. And, it's funny because you're right. Like you lose a, a family member or you, you know, my dad passed away a couple years ago and I hate even bringing this up because I don't know if I can talk about him without getting emotional, but he, uh, he dealt with dementia and you could see it early stages. And I've seen people with full on mm-hmm. dementia and you could see his, in early stages and the struggle my mom was having, it was hard on her to always do what she had to do. You know, Mm -hmm. it's hard. He never was completely, but I mean, he drove the last year he drove, but he wasn't supposed to, he hadn't renewed his license in a couple of years. And I said, dad, I'm not trying to be a jerk and take your keys, but you can't drive. I said, where's your driver's license? He pulled it out and I said, look at it. It's expired. Well, that, okay. what the hell? Why did I? I said, yeah, well, just, I just don't want to get a ticket. You know, I had to try. Right. I've been driving longer than you've been alive, you know? So, yeah. and sometimes he got mad and he'd drive down to the street to the ranch, farm and ranch store and get something, come back. But you didn't want it to be a, a time where mentally he was mm-hmm. not all there and yeah. have a lapse because it hurt somebody, including himself. But seeing that deteriorate was hard. And I, I think of the people out there that deal with it. It's common, you know, 
mental illnesses and things like that, I feel for him because I wouldn't wish that on anybody for that's pain. Mm -hmm. That is long story short. That's pain that, yeah, that those are real struggles of life. Cancer, I, you know, things like that. He, you got a 10 year old kid that I, I was friends with that had passed away, but he, he passed away and had cancer. I mean, that's real stuff there, you know, military families with the things. Yeah. Yeah. We're out playing and doing what we love and we don't get what we want. It stinks, but it's not like I put it in perspective a lot with my athletes. It's, it's not like you got your guts are just blown out of you and you're over in the middle East fighting a war. Right. You know, and you're trying to just live. Right. You know, it's a whole different perspective, you know? So when you look back on that, that, O2 nationals and you know you you lost to to Percival obviously and you know you come back and you make an Olympic team you make several you know world team in 06 you and your brother finalists we'll, we'll talk about 06 but take me back to like spring of 02 how long was it for you to get back on the horse and like what advice do you have to anyone who's really down in there because I'm sure you must have been you know hurt and real bad yeah I kind of went off grid for a little bit I had a buddy had a cabin in Idaho and I Nobody knew when I just took off and went there and stayed for a while. Um, like no classes, think... nothing, no school. It is just, <laughs> I couldn't tell you if there was, it didn't matter if there was or not. <laughs> I didn't honestly, I didn't give two rats if I graduated. I, I don't, you know, that's one thing you had to, to stay eligible. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the end of my wrestling career. I mean, obviously you got to do the right thing and finish out your college. Yeah. But it didn't, it didn't mean anything to me. You know, it didn't mean education. I was, I always, I grew up with a dad that was a very brilliant man, entrepreneurial man. And I, I always looked at my college as what's this really going to do for me? I learned more in the sport of wrestling about relationships and diverse adversity and hard work and setting goals and climbing and incentivizing mm -hmm. and all those things, you know, you learn through the discipline of wrestling academics. If I wanted to be a doctor, yeah, go. So you can be a specialist. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to be a, you know, a special track, get involved with that and, and get good at, it. but me, you know, if it's just business, I don't have a business degree. I have nothing, but, and I'm not bragging about anything, but i opened up some big commercial businesses and mm -hmm. never was taught. It's just kind of a thing I learned through the same, the same process of wrestling is right. You know, time, commitment, respect, you know, those things that it's no different trying to, Hey, I want to start a, a restaurant. Well, roll up your sleeves and start educating yourself. Mm -hmm. And treat people the way you treated the sport of wrestling and you're going to get a lot of, especially if you treated it and had success, high success at it, the, you're going to get a long ways. You know, there's no other sport that does that for you. You know, nothing. It's, it's amazing. It's, it really is. And it's just nothing like it. I mean, jujitsu is really popular and it's amazing to me how many jujitsu people I meet. They're just begging and wishing they would have wrestled and they just, and it's like, you can't learn it now. It's like, it. that's what sucks about wrestling is like, 
if you're in your mid twenties and you have your act together, you can't really learn wrestling. It's done. You know, it's like only through <laughs> the school system. So yeah. it's a, it's a bummer, but man, we're all so fortunate. So you're in the cabin. How long are you out there for in, in Idaho? You think? Probably a week. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a week to 10 days. Um, just got my crap together, had people looking around and obviously I didn't have cell phones back then, but I knew my parents would be nervous. And, but at the same time that I knew they knew just leave me be. Mm-hmm. So again, who picks you up? Your, your mom and dad and your family that are in your corner your entire life that never wavers. And that's obviously who you gravitate to and you build you back up and you you can sit and say, everything's going to be all right, all you want, but it's just a matter of your own grieving process and, and how you absorb it and digest it and move on. And it probably bothered me for a lot of years. I mean, most of my wrestling career, it, it didn't matter even, I was just telling somebody the other day, we we're kind of having a conversation. It's funny how, how you change in life and, and mature, I guess, but um, some things you don't forget. Some things are treason and it's just black and white and it's, it's over. You just, it's over. You forget about it, bury it. Um, and don't let it affect you. I should say mm-hmm. um, you, you never really forget, but the, the, the process of it, what was I going to say before I said that comment? Just how you, you never, you, a lot of I years ago, you it. weren't forgetting it. Oh um, yeah, we were talking. Yeah. We were talking the other day, and I, I had said to him, "It's funny how you, uh, you, you go through life, and you, you can step away from it because you're so, at the time you're so, and even over time you could start talking about it again. And I could, I'm sure I could get lit back up about it. Sure, but you realize afterwards, I guess, really what was really important. And the more you hung on to it at the time, the more it it could be more of a negative draw on you without you even knowing it. Just mm-hmm. having it a conversation, it's drawing negatively on your energy um, more so than you even know, even if you yeah. think you're not. It was, yeah. it was kind of a good thing to, oh, that's what I said. I said, funny, I would have probably never signed up for the sport knowing I had all these goals and I never accomplished them. What the hell did I do that for? You know, you, you, you coach us or you, you start out, I was going to be a four-time state champ. I did that. Okay, great. That ended, you know, you're going to be a four-time national champ. You're going to be a four-time Olympic champ. You're going to be a four-time world champ, you know? Right, right, right. And your goals change in life, but the next best thing you're going to do, and then you're going to coach and you're going to impact lives and recruit this kid and go after this kid. And you're going to develop this kid and make his penetration step look better and more effective things. That, and Essentially, I failed at all of them. Not really. I mean, you could say that from the outside saying, wow, this guy, he got fired at his job. And this guy went to the finals and he got beat. And this guy made this team, but didn't produce. And I mean, there's a lot of those things that you have. But it took me a while to really, like, why the hell did I sign up for that? But it was, it's like, well, you're looking at the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And if I, I mean, if you look at my house, there's not one thing in here that tells you I was a wrestler. I don't think there's a picture in this cabinet with my brother and I, or my brother, I should say, cheering for me mm-hmm. after he got beat at the Olympics game at the Olympic trials. He got beat and I had another match. Oh, wait. And 
Uh, yeah. Oh wait. And I had another match, and um, you know, he could have been down the street in, in the middle of Alaska by that time. Yeah. But he was out with my my Mike Zadek T-shirt on, wow. cheering Matt side for me. So, pretty powerful, you know. Real powerful. I mean, it's crazy because when you put it like that, I mean, there's only like maybe one wrestler in the world, Bovisar Satiev, that would walk away saying they feel satisfied because the the stakes or the your stakes and your expectations are so high. Like, even John Smith is like very upset that he lost to Lazaro Reynoso in the pool play, and even though he won, he lost ninety two. He lost in the pool play, you know, and a yeah. lot of people. You don't even know that, but it's like, he still remembers it. And so it's like, even him, like who's maybe like the most decorated Jordan Burroughs. It's like this loss to Marstell or maybe that will sour him forever. I hope not because we've all gotten a lot of enjoyment out of it. Just like a lot of people got a lot of inspiration out of watching you. And when you look at that O2 nationals, that was a big turning of the tide for Iowa because Gable retired in 97. Zaleski takes yep. over. You guys kill it for, for a good four to five years. But by 01, Minnesota started their run. And then Zaleski would never see greener pastures than he had already had. So, like, just for folks who are listening, though, who aren't as familiar with that era as I am, who were some of your teammates at Iowa during that, during that late 90s and early 2000s? Well, two of them are here right now, which is Gabe, <laughs> Gabe, Gabe McMahon and, and uh, Wes, or not Wes Hand, he didn't come. But uh, Gabe McMahon, Wes Hand, um, yeah. Jeff Stewart, um, Jody's Trip Matter. Eric Jurgens, Doug Schwab, TJ Williams, uh, Paul Jen, uh, Euchre, uh, Weber, Man, um, Matt Anderson. Yeah, and then Matt Anderson was a year younger that he, they came in. So Matt Anderson would have been there, who was a good friend of mine, like a brother, lives over in Hamilton, Montana now. Um, oh, really? Okay. Jessman Smith. Yeah, my close friends were like Jessman. Uh, Jason Howell. Um, yeah, it was crazy. It was we Moffitt. talked about that Moffitt. I mean, that lineup, you start out with Strip Matter, Jurgens, you, Schwab, TJ. Like, look, yeah, I don't, I'm not as familiar yeah. with the upper weights, but like, that's crazy. I mean, were you working at, or were you, was Schwab your main workout partner or were you going with some other guys? <laughs> no, no, Schwab and I weren't. And I always love this story because I love Schwab. He's coming out here. Uh, he's coming out next month. Wow. Uh, his family is, but, um, Schwab and I, I got to college. He was a year older. So I guess we were in the same Fargo bracket, which, you know, fast forward, I cut him college. We're supposedly going to be the same weight. Yeah. So he's kind of like the guy I got to beat. And then, um, I think the year I beat him in the wrestle off. I was a freshman, he's sophomore the year he won it. I beat him in the wrestle off, but then we went to an open tournament and I don't think we wrestled, but we both placed in the open tournament three, four mm -hmm. or one, two, two, three. Actually, yeah, it was two, three. I got beat in the finals by Terry Brands and he, and he got beat in the quarter <laughs> or the semifinals by Terry Brands. <laughs> what the hell tournament is he wrestling in? Is he trying to get ready for like 2000 or something? Yeah, you and I open. What? Yep. So you guys, that, first of all, you and Schwab were light. If you're in that weight, man. Well, yeah, it was, it was 41. So Jesus. We, uh, so he ended up beating me out. He beat me out. And then the next year they didn't want me to wrestle off. They wanted me to go up, but I was 
essentially before this all happened with weight classes, I thought I was going to be a 34 pounder in college. Um, but obviously 34 bumped to 41 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with the schedule, with the yeah. rule change. So me going in at, at 41, I'm like, geez, 49, that's what I weigh. But they no, kidding. coach had told me at the time it'd be better for the team. I'd be a better fit at that weight, whatever. Well, I didn't do it. I said, I, I want to wrestle him off. And he beat me in the wrestle off the sec the next year. Did you go up to 149 at that point? Or did you stay down all yeah, year? I you went did. to 49. Yep. Yeah. And then that's when I wrestled the next three years at 149. I should have probably went back down because I was a 41 pounder, but I just stayed up. I was, it just worked better for the team. And, and for folks who don't know, you wrestled 133 at the Olympics, right? 32-2, 60 kilo. That yeah. is staggering cut to think about 149 as a college wrestler and a more natural 41. But, I mean, I'm sure you filled into 49 where eventually you yeah. were pulling some to get down or no? Yeah. Yeah. Not much, but I was. Man. I was. I, I actually, I hate, there's a, a, we had a dual meet that I, I should, we're kind of skipping around, but. That's okay. We'll, we'll go back to the Schwabs. Yeah. Um, why you guys didn't work out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But um, the weight cut, we had, I think it was Penn state maybe, but I, I always just walked in and whatever workout I got my pre warm up before the duel, I just came in and worked out. I was down to weight. Well, I happened to eat a pretty good Italian restaurant, a lot of sodium, I think probably. And I just couldn't sweat. So I was like, I get to, I get my workout in. I'm like, shoot, I'm, I'm kind of like four over, which is yeah. what I always was, but I just go drill. And I was, mm -hmm. if you walk around it at that weight, you just, well, I got done and I got hot gear on and everything and started cutting weight. Like hour left. I go all the way up to, and I can't, I can't sweat. I'm like as dry as I am right now. What? And I was doing like, and then my forehead was beating up, but nothing drips, nothing dripped. And I missed weight for a dual meet and coach was mad. And I don't, I get it, but at 49, wow. I, at 49, I missed weight to dual meet. Even with plastics on and all that, you just couldn't sweat. You're not allowed to use plastics. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. No. Right, right. <laughs> I, I couldn't. Yeah. It was just like chalked up. I was chalked up. I Man. couldn't roll. And I was fine. Like, I had all the energy in the world. Something right. like I was like cutting weight. I just, something weird in my body happened. And it was too late. Man. But yeah. Wow. So- so going back Normally, to Schwab, so he, you go up because of him and because of that, are you guys kind of like frenemies or even enemies a little bit, like not really working out a lot? Or? I mean, we had respect for each other, but there was just like, a, you know, your young kids, when it, we wrestled, we wrestled. It was every other week, every two weeks, maybe not very often, but we did. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't a time we wrestled. I can't remember ever wrestling him and not punching him. Or him punching me. <laughs> like every time. Into no. the weight room. Into the weight room. The wall. The drinking fountain. The locker. I mean, there was a punch every time. God. And I talk about it now because it's hilarious because I didn't like him. I didn't like him. He beat me out. You know, I didn't like the whole situation. Right. He was. But what's funny is you fast forward. And the closest people I had 
back then that were my closest bond. I have no communication with. And the ones I hated the most back then, I have the closest relationship with. Right. So I laugh at Schwab and I's relationship because he ended up, you know, wrestling in the same weight as my brother, you know, and oh yeah. I remember before before 06. I yeah, 06. Before I won, I think when I when I won the world team in 06, I went down that year to train with Schwab actually at Virginia Tech and Tom was there. Say, so did you coach at Virginia Tech? Uh not then, but okay. yes, I coached two years at Virginia Tech when we won the trophy. Oh, so not when you weren't with brands and Schwab and hand. I was with Jimmy at Iowa with Steiner and Hartung. Got it. Okay. Okay. Got it. But I was, I was training at the time. So I wanted to get some workouts in. So I went down to Virginia tech Mm -hmm. and worked out with Schwab and it was awesome. Like it was, I always loved those workouts. So this is, we weren't punching each other. I don't think he might, remember better, but I, I don't remember, but I remember, I remember a few times being done with workouts and like, that was awesome. Like I needed that. That was like, mm-hmm. and then you, you get older and we coach and, and, you know, we're on Olympic team together and things like that. And, you know, he has an awesome wife and yeah. And then they have kids. So you, you kind of just grow together and yeah, we're great friends now. We're, I mean, big fan of him and it's just crazy how it is though. But, Doug Schwab's the man. His wife is awesome. And yeah, Coach Schwab's been on a couple of times. It's just, just the best, man. And, uh, you know, I, I've had um, Jody on him. You talk about an impact. Jody Strip Matter. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Amount of kids. He's Purdue, yeah. him and his brother. Yeah. Nuts. Um, I credit that to Jody, if you know him on a personal level. Yeah. He's he, the upbringing he had in his family. It's second to none, you know, his mom and dad, their work ethic, his sister, brothers, the family is just, they're very tight, you know, strong Mm -hmm. believers, just good people. And how do you not succeed with that recipe? You know, and all those kids at young guns are like just good kids. Like when I came up in Illinois, the best kids were honestly like the biggest troublemakers, wild maniacs. Like these kids are like, you bring them home to your to your mother, your grandmother. These kids don't tell a lie. They don't swear. I mean, they're just like doing their homework. I mean, I'm telling you, yeah. I remember the best wrestlers being the biggest wackos, you know, and these kids are the yeah. exact opposite. Yep. No, I mean, it's he, it's amazing. A product of their environment, you know, and that's yeah. that's Jody. He's a great leader and awesome person, you know. Now, I got to talk about my man, TJ Williams, like I said, being in Illinois and the Williams brothers were larger than life. Tony Davis, another larger than life guy. I mean, yeah. that, that generation. Um, so when TJ came in, were you already there or were you, when he transferred in? I was there. Yeah. yeah. What What was your take on just his wrestling during those, during those years? He was just, it was amazing. You know, he was so, he was so fast, you know, Joe Williams, I was used to and saw mm-hmm. him and Joe was on the team then. Um, yeah, when I got in like Ironside McGinnis, Joe, mm-hmm. they were all those big names that were in at the time, but TJ got there, you know, you look at scores, like Joe had matches that were like, Joe was awesome. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But if he wrestled like David Taylor's pace, Joe would have been how fun <laughs> a freaking exactly. You'd have oh, been, this that's is the, too, that's it's, the it's the like big Gable Stevenson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Seriously, though, because you yeah. know he could have. It's he like could have, yeah, right. But TJ is so different than Joe, right? He's so long and he's not as bulky, and it's just uh, it's but he a little... was more active. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. he put points up, and he had some unbelievable explosiveness, and he worked Man. hard. You know, he he's a hard worker. Um, yeah, it was fun. I and I worked out with him a lot. I loved it. One loss loved it. doesn't even well, make sense. One loss yeah. doesn't even make sense. Like that's crazy. Um, yeah, he's he's God, good. unbelievable lightning and uh schwab always talks about his switch <laughs> he goes that's yeah. what i've ever seen man yeah. he breaks yeah. your elbow god those, yeah. that's just uh yeah those, those are good memories for me as a kid growing up and my mom taking me out there we had the iowa wrestling hat getting it signed after the duel i'm sure i still have one and and you guys are all right there so the next big yeah. memory i have of you is definitely um Oh, four Olympic trials. I'll never forget it. But my big memory of you though, is Oh six. When you and your brother both make the world finals, like that was amazing. But before we get there though, like what was it like the first time you made 32 and a half or whatever that weight class was, was that horrendous or was it okay? I think I did a pretty good job when I made it. It was a shock to the system. Um, like where were you starting at? Oh, 53, you know, right in there. Um, and that's when I wrestled in college at 49. Yeah. I was very comfortable and that was my walk around weight. Um, but I started trying to carry my weight at like 46, 47. That was harder for me, but I did. I did 49 or less. Like year round or? Uh, no, there's times I got bigger, but most of the year. Most like January through September. Oh yeah. 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 Wow. And then. That that weight cut was hard. It was because I'm not saying I'm I look like a Greek god or anything, but I was lean. I wasn't as I, I feel like I can say I'm lean. I was lean because I'm fatter now <laughs> as as you get older. But I was a lot leaner then. And going from lean to really lean, I knew that muscle was being lost. Also, I mean, it was just it. There's no way around it. I was lo- going to lose muscle. Yeah. getting to that weight. I could be as lean as possible, but I still had to lose muscle too. I mean, even I, when you're a down, like you still had to, like if you're lean and doing everything right, you still probably had to do a good eight to 10 pull just on like the final day or two. And you're already sucked out. Two days. Yep. Last two, two. I did that eight. I pulled eight usually the last two days. And it's crazy because I remember you battle on Lawrence. I can't even tell you how many times in college, especially that big duel at the target center and you beat him a fair number of times. He makes the Olympic trials in 04 at 145 finals. You make the finals at one at the next weight down. It's like crazy. You could have, you probably could have competed at 145 in freestyle. Did you ever consider it or no? Because your brother was there. I did. I went to the New York AC my first year um, and wrestled the New York AC, but just kind of knew like, yeah, we sat down like, Hey, you know, I'm more, more shape to be a 49 or four, uh, 32, 60 kilo. Yeah. 60 kilo. So yeah. kind of with the family conversation, that'd be the best situation. Yeah. So why, why, why try and beat each other out of the same goal? You know? Now so. I, uh, I know we're over time. We'll wrap up soon. You're these usually go an hour back and tell me and you, man, this is, this oh. is like old friends here, but, uh, yeah. remind me this. I, as an Illinois, we used to watch the Midlands growing up religiously. Was it? Oh yeah. You and 
was it you and Mike who had, or you and Bill had a forfeit in the finals one year? Or was it Joe and TJ? I cannot remember this. Bill and I. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. he was post collegiate, right? Were you there? Yeah, I wasn't there. I was watching. No, I was. Okay. I'm a, I was probably like in fifth grade, but at the time, yeah. my dad was like, "Listen, this tournament's the biggest tournament in the country. You know, non college guys can go." And like, you know, like you kind of always like downplay what your parents. So you're like, "Yeah, it's probably not that big." And then you watch it for the first time, and I'm like, "And we never, ne- we never didn't watch it again." And I remember my mom used to get me Christmas tickets to the Midlands, and uh, oh, awesome, man! I and like Joe was winning like his ninth Midlands title, but I'll never forget you guys. I remember watching it, but uh, yeah, you guys forfeit in the finals. That's crazy. Think about it. Yeah, that. we had like my dad. It was probably the best moment for him. One of the best because he sat in the middle and the semifinals were on these two mats and he sat in the middle and Bill and I were on the mat at the same time. Yeah. He was, what was happening is Bill was, I was unseated as a sophomore coming in. What? And Bill I, you know, I hadn't wrestled anybody. It was my yeah. sophomore year, my first year of varsity. Um, high expectations, but that wasn't seated. Um, we, I only maybe had one duel against Tony Davis at or my first duel of my career. Mm-hmm. And Bill was a, re, you know, was a returning NSA champ. He was seated fourth coming in. So it was kind of like, <laughs> huh? That, you know, pissed us off a little bit. That's a tough I more, weight. <laughs> I was more pissed about my brother being seated fourth. <laughs> well, we start wrestling, and I'd never wrestled Terrapelli, so oh wow, he was he was my I think quarterfinal match, and he was the number one guy in the country at the time, which was exciting for me. I had to get up for it, and then I end up, I think I end up, I might have majored him. And, and that's a, it, there's a lot of Iowa fans of the Midland, so they were probably going crazy at that one. It was, yeah. There's used to be a lot of Iowa fans, so that's probably what helped me too. You know, a lot of excitement, uh, and that kind of confidence-wise, that catapulted me into the semis. Whoever this Esposito guy was, you know, Lehigh. So Dave, Dave was there, yeah. So national him, finalist, national champ. Him, him, and I were a barn burner semifinal that I think went into overtime, but I. I think God. so, but it was close. And Bill's wrestling, so Esposito and I are on one mat. Bill and Fisher, John Fisher from Michigan, Michigan, Still going yeah. at it. He Jeez. was that. He, he's like the last guy. All, all we, I always knew he was like one of the last guys to ever beat John Smith. Like, yeah, that's like a too. credit, you know. <laughs> yeah, but Bill beat him, and I beat Esposito, and I remember uh, thinking, oh man. I'm like, we're getting up to this. Do you think and you were going to wrestle or no? I thought I it was like weird. It was just a weird feeling. But my dad called home and my mom's like, absolutely not. You'll tear him <laughs> apart. Absolutely not. She put her foot down. My dad said, Hey, we're going to the table. My dad talked to whoever coaches. I don't know who did it, but mm-hmm. so we're just going to see, but you two aren't wrestling, which is, it's a good thing. Yeah, the right move. Yeah, that's going back to the upbringing and the mentality you were around at that time. It's life or death. You don't want to wrestle your brother with those kind of circumstances. Now, if you had the mentality like it's more of a game, then it's a different situation. And maybe we could just be like, hey, let's just see Mm -hmm. and where it could work. But back then it wasn't to us. We were in an environment that was. Kill or be killed. Well, 
you know, step on your, I mean, it's your brother. Right. And what, what do you, what do you really get out of it? We got booed. And I remember thinking about it afterwards, like laughing, like, wow, they booed us. I'm like, I get it for the fans, but quit being so selfish and look back at the athletes. You got two brothers that live together that go home to the same bed yeah. that work out in the same wrestling room that punch each other when we wrestle. What do you, what, what, what's, what's it going to really do for us? Is it going to make me a better wrestler? Absolutely not. When you got to remember these fans, it's like you guys wrestle on is the same mentality as the brands. Like you're ready to die and you're ready to kill someone out there. Literally. Like you guys were that intense about it. So it's like, you can't take that to your brother. So no. And would you guys I, even I, work I out? I can't. Yeah, we did. Did you? Yeah. yeah. I just gave Bill crap the other day when we had wrestling camp because I was teasing him for punching me. He punched me one time because every time we drill, and he'll fight this one too, but we would drill. And, you know, like I drill with everybody, um, you call or tie, you do a drag, whatever. Well, he didn't like, I clubbed his head to do a move. And you know that it happens. I didn't over club it, but he claimed I did it too hard. And he <laughs> swung at me and quit, no, no, just big brother stuff is all yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I'll never forget it. Cause I remember thinking, man, this is the same thing I've done with everybody, every partner I've ever had. And nobody's ever been like, Hey, would you not club me so hard there? But, and I wasn't doing it. Like it was just drilling. Right. But cause he's big brother. He's a little more sensitive to the feel. Yeah. Yeah. But no, we worked out and he, Bill was like one of the best drill partners for me. And, Bill's a stank, uh, extension coach to me, essentially, you know? Oh yeah. He, he impacted me cause is the closest thing to me and knew more than anything. I knew if there was one person that had my back through anything, it was going to be him. Fact. I mean, it's, you know, and you know, uh, just through our messages on Twitter, you know, with the Cejudo doc that we just did, it was awesome interviewing your brother because I didn't realize until going into it that he was living out there in 06 and, you know, he's getting real close with Terry. And then you make the team in 07. That's Henry's first time. You guys go to Baku. Bill's there, obviously, coaching you. But he's also giving me commentary on Henry. So I just wanted to ask you before we sign off, like, you know, what what was what was that experience like, those, that 06 Worlds, 07 Worlds, 08 Olympics? What do you take from those experiences, those big-time events? Um, they were, they were great. You know, we toured a lot. So a lot of those things. But, you know, it was a great environment going out to the training center um getting different partners as opposed to like your, the college kids you're wrestling mm -hmm. um henry was a little bit smaller than me but we worked out a lot um Did you wrestle angel yeah we wrestled worked out with angel angel was good like angel was good you know maybe had a lot of things going on in life that i learned you know through your 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 uh story you had there mm -hmm. it was really cool i didn't know about the white the the, the kid I mean, mm -hmm. I knew he had kids, but when you, you hear about how it was playing out that time, cause he was so good. And I was like, he's going to be really good. Like if he was, if he was doing what I was doing, he was going to be good. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I looked at it. But, um, yeah, they both were great workout partners. They were around there, but yeah, we traveled overseas. It was a lot of Henry and I's first to certain tournaments and yeah, a lot of pictures. And then, Oh eight, we went to the White House together, and him and I did a lot of posing, pictures back and forth, like in certain rooms, you know, mimicking Lincoln and things like that. So it's, <laughs> you were so young in those pictures too; it's hilarious. But man, that's awesome. 
Well, yeah, and but- uh, if, if if guys want to, uh, do you have any camps guys can sign up for? Or are you more of like private instruction, local stuff only now? Like uh, people listen to this podcast all throughout the country. Is there anything they can do to get some of your coaching or attend in your camps? Um, I, I do get called and hired. I, I'll, I'll come if I can, but I try to limit it right now. Cause I have so much going with, with just getting away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, my easiest way is Twitter like you have or Facebook. Okay. I'm, I'm old school. I, I don't have Instagram. I have Facebook page still, but, um, the one, one thing I would say I'd like to plug is Please. this build, this building I'm, I'm, uh, it's going to be more public soon, but I'm still working through a lot of prices and pricing and permitting, mm-hmm. but it's, it's going to be called benchmark wrestling. Uh, I started a benchmark social media page. I think there actually is a benchmark Instagram. There is a benchmark Facebook. Mm-hmm. I'd ask people to um, follow it. And then there will be an, a website benchmark wrestling.org that will open up too but this reconstruction of this building is going to be me fundraising every penny for it so i have i have funded the property i tore the building down moved it to town i'm storing it i funded everything i've built a 40 by 60 pole barn on it for a staging area for equipment that's going to be rented uh, materials all that stuff and then when I erect this building, it's going to be a, a wellness center in a rural community of Augusta, Montana. That's going to impact uh, the kids through the sport of wrestling. And it's going to impact the elderly, which is a, a good elderly community here mm-hmm. with a, a, a great mentality of being raised mainly on ranches and stuff, you know, in a rural Montana area with work ethic, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a, a wellness center. It's going to, Incorporate the sport of wrestling, obviously. Wellness from a mental health standpoint, from a physical health standpoint. Um, deeper than that, I'm going to bring in um, successful people to hear their story and impact the kids in this community. It's what what is unique to me about it is if you lived in San Diego, you'd do it. If you lived in big cities, you 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 have that opportunity. But rural Montana, you don't. Mm-hmm. And it's no different whether it's a community of 250 people or thousands. Um, I just want to, yeah. I want to get it built and keep it, keep it moving. And I have ideas and a business plan, but the the big goal for me now is to have my final number and start fundraising. So GoFundMe is everything possible under the sun. So I would hope that any listener out here would seek it out, find it through Facebook, find the website, benchmark wrestling and if you see the opportunities when i start promoting whether it's a dollar or a million whatever you can afford it's going to make a huge difference well we will do everything we can to push it out and as soon as it's built and constructed we'll come out with our cameras and we'll film a little tour of it and i want to see yeah. some i want to see some wildlife i want to ride a horse like that's what it's going to be about Man, we're going have... to do everything you just said so you can kind of see, see uh... this atmosphere so I could see I'm really close to beat the street Chicago and one of the best organizations in the country. I could see beat the street Chicago sending out 60 kids to sleep with you in your, uh, in your building and you showing them these kids. I mean, these kids have never left the city to show them nature yeah. like that. I could see so, all kinds of stuff like that, man. Yeah. That's kind of what we're going to do is keep wow. it minimal amount of kids, but we have, I have 
big wall tents that you camp out in. Like, yeah, you could walk in, you know, they're upright. Yeah. They're yeah. like five foot side walls and then pitched roof with barrel stoves and stuff. So we're going to have a bunch of those for kids. And like I said, it's going to piggyback with the recreation in this area. Well, not um, only that, but it's, it's the spirit of your father's intertwined throughout the whole building. Like the, you took the, the, literally the structure of your, your father's old building. I don't even know how someone tears down a building by hand, but you did it somehow. <laughs> and like, what do you do? Like a wrench? Like, do you, do you weld? It? I like, literally, I, <laughs> how the hell do you do that? I literally walked in and like, I got into it with my uncle and aunt. Cause they were like, you're, you're, you're going to kill yourself. This is, we don't have liability that we don't make sense (laughs) more like, more like uh, worried about the liability things. And I'm really sensitive to the fact that, uh, that the world is soft, you know, you know, everybody knows it. I'm not telling you anything, but people mostly you hear a conversation that we're all soft. We never were like they were back then. And I mean, it's true. You know, you used to ride around in the back of the truck. Now you, you have to drive a pedal bike with a helmet on. I mean, <laughs> just crazy things. But I went in them like, you guys, I was raised with a mom and dad that pretty much made anything possible. If I said I was going to grow up and be this, my dad would tell you how, how he thinks you should do it. It was never, there was no limit. Mm-hmm. And that's a bit, that's the one thing I can tell you about the sport kind of, what I think will impact kids more than anything is when I coach and help, you know, this youth stuff is your imagination, the, your mindset. Like I don't want to coach a kid to be a really good banker someday. If he wants to bank, I want to coach a kid to grow up and buy out every bank in America and own Wells Fargo. Mm -hmm. Not, not just go be the head banker, Mm -hmm. go buy Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that kind of mentality that's kind of, and then some. Yeah. So that's kind of where it came from. But I walked into this building and I told them, you guys think I'm not going to do it? Like, you're going to tell me no? Like, I've never been told no from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Saying, well, you can't. You don't know what you're doing. Well, you walk in with, I have tons of tools, so I bring in. All I did is I started pulling all the window trim out. was just wood cedar. All the baseboard trim. Okay, you get all that out. Then you just pull windows. Okay, windows are out. Then you there's walls, right? Simple. So then you got sheetrock. Pull the sheetrock, stack it. Pull the studs out. Next thing you know, you got an open shell. All this wiring. You learn. I mean, I'm not a complete idiot, so I know how to disconnect power off. And I ask professionals that I know where I disconnect wiring and outlets and all that kind of stuff. I rolled up everything. I saved all the wire and recycled it. I no. Gave, I gave sheetrock away. I gave all the two by fours. People came out instead of having like, I had 30 yard dumpsters. Don't get me wrong, but people came by on the street because it's on main street, my hometown. I gave out, I bet you 150 different people got something from this building that instead of it going to a landfill was repurposed, whether it was the sheeting metal sheeting that I know a rancher he picked up and he used it for, windbreak for his cattle um sheetrock siding people recited the uh old wood panel they were reciting it i mean so it's really it was cool when he got done because the windows i didn't break a window in the whole place and they all got taken out and reused how long did it take you to do this five weeks that's it 
five weeks. Five it was weeks. Uh, yeah, I wow. worked. I worked from sun up till midnight and sun up again till midnight. And it, I had to work three weeks and then I had to take a break. Bill got inducted, I think, to the Hall of Fame. I had to go there. Then we had wrestling camp. I finished. I started May seventh. I know that, and I finished two years ago, and I finished in July sometime. Oh, but I had I had God. weeks of travel yeah. between there. And so you but have yeah. all these beams up, and now it's about to about to be a whole new wrestling facility. The beams are stacked on a ranch outside of Augusta. I haven't broke ground. I haven't anything. Right, it's right. all the pro. I bought land. That was the first goal. Now I was going through all the environmental stuff. Yep. geotechnical engineering all that kind of stuff soil water and worked on the plans worked on marketing worked on website have people doing all that kind of stuff and then my kind of marketing avenues so i literally big news yesterday literally yesterday having breakfast i got my approval letter from the state of montana that my sewer i'm accepted into the city of augusta to tie into the sewer so love it. that's been a year-long I know we're getting long here, but no, it's no, been a it's... year long fight. So, well, like I said, yeah. when it's, we will promote it any way we can. I think it's, it's such a cool thing and just another way wrestling uh, lives on, man. And I just yeah. want to thank you so much for coming on. It's been a really great time chatting with you today. Any last words before we sign off, Mike? No, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, keep doing the great work you've been doing. I, like I said, I love the Suhudo story. It was a great story. I don't listen to podcasts very often. So, it kind of got me into it. And instead of me having to be somebody saying, Hey, you should listen to this. I uh, became a fan. I'm like, I, I like the content, everything you've been sending. So thanks for promoting the great sport. Yes, sir, man. You have a great day. Enjoy yourself. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of wrestling Change my life. If you enjoy this show, we want to hear from you. So leave us a review on Apple podcast and subscribe to the show. We'll see you next time on wrestling Change my life. Peace.